Welcome to your parent-teacher conference, where a 24-7 parent and full-time teacher discusses issues and concerns from both points of view in an attempt to bridge the gap for the sake of kids. So relax, grab a coffee or other comfort drink, and let's talk about it. I am firmly convinced that a good tour guide can make the most boring tour into the most amazing journey. Hello and welcome to your parent-teacher conference. This is Coach Cullen, your host, and I'm recording on the last day of my family's little Memorial Day outing to Chincoteague Island, Virginia. Now what makes Chincoteague so famous as I found out now, I knew about the wild ponies over in Ashateague, another island right near it. And I knew the stories that a Spanish galleon had crashed and the ponies got loose. But I didn't know that the popularity of the island grew when a book was published called Misty. Like, every... Thing that we did this weekend it seemed like somebody mentioned the book Misty. I guess you can even watch a movie that was made in the 50s I guess or 60s where not only do they give you the story of Misty but outside of the Hollywood actors the extras were actually people from Chincoteague. I grew up in New Jersey so for my family we would take day trips or even week vacations at times down the Jersey Shore. And what I appreciate about Chincoteague this Memorial Day weekend, although there was a lot of people, it wasn't packed. You could get from place to place. So, and it didn't have that boardwalk carnival type feel. The streets were lively. People were renting bicycles and mopeds. You could hear live bands playing and some of the bars in the area. My wife found this old oyster fisherman's cottage before the big draw of the ponies and I guess the weekend where they auctioned off the ponies, that's when Chincoteague is at its most liveliest. Like they're, they're saying like 70 to 80,000 people cram this little island. But like I said, we stayed in a little oyster fisherman's cottage that was updated with modern conveniences and I'll tell you what I'm gonna give a shout out to Morgan and Sam the owners of Beach Grass Bungalow where we're staying this is fantastic really they do a good job of I mean you don't see them you rent it all online but just everything was amazing they gave us a little gift packet as we came in they had candies and little chips the fact that I'm doing a podcast here downstairs and my family's asleep upstairs shows you have the separation of the kitchen, living room area, dining room, as well as the sleeping quarters upstairs. And we, we, we comfortably had four. You could have more in here. I think they, the limit is eight. It's one of those houses that when you look at it from the outside, it looks small. But when you get inside, whoever crafted the house originally really had a great detail of how, how to make the best of space. Now the one drawback, it's about two and a half miles 
the three miles from downtown. But that's okay for us. That was, a, that was great. It had a nice little screened-in porch area because there are a lot of mosquitoes here. So if you don't mind not being in the center of all the action, being able to retreat from all that, I would highly recommend Beachgrass Bungalow as a place to stay if you ever come to Chincoteague. Now the draw for my wife to Chincoteague were the ponies. She loves horses. So the first day, full day we were here, we took a boat ride. It was just my family on a pontoon boat with Captain Mike of Up the Bay Pony Tours. Now, as a history teacher, I've been on many tours throughout my career. When you go to a historical place, a tour guide takes you through. And Captain Mike proved yet again something that is so true. The tour guide makes or breaks the tour. It doesn't matter how majestic, how wonderful, how impressive a place is. If you have a horrible tour guide, you're going to walk away feeling like you missed something. Like something quite wasn't as worth as it as you thought. Now the one great thing about Captain Mike was he grew up on Chincoteague Island. So it was quite obvious from the start he had a love for this place. He knew all the ponies. Like I was so impressed by that. I asked him, like, how do you, rem not that how do you remember, like is there a book you refer to? Because he could point out the ponies by look. Now obviously he's doing tours every day and I get that. Just like a teacher with students, you're going to get to know your kids' names, what they look like over time. But my question was really, well, how do you get to know all the new ones, all the new foals? And even he's kind of stopped and goes, that, you know, I never thought of that. How did I, how do I pick up the new ones? Now, I'm sure he just never thought of it. It's probably from other tour guides, from listening, from living on the island. He knows where to go. He knows the people who have the knowledge. I guess the firemen are the ones who take care of the ponies. So he leverages those contacts to help extend his knowledge. You know, he asked us beforehand, do you want to see dolphins? Do you want to see ponies? He, you know, my kids wanted to see both. So we saw dolphins a little bit and then went out to see the ponies. And as we left, he told us the history of Chincoteague, that it wasn't about the ponies at first. It really was about oysters. Oyster farmers would come out here, just like the cottage I stayed in was built for oyster fishermen, right? So he talked about that. He talked about the change over to tourism after the book Misty was published. He shared about how Chincoteague burned down. A lot of the places burned down. So that is when the fire department asked if they could sell off some of the ponies every year to raise money. If you're wondering, why do they sell the ponies? Why don't they just leave them wild in Ashateague Island? It's actually out of environmental concerns for the rest of the ecosystem. The horses have no natural predators. So they try to keep the number to around 150 and they sell off the rest. They also, interestingly enough, you can buy a Chincoteague pony, but leave it there. 
you get the right to name them. All the ponies have names. And the names come from people that instead of taking the ponies off the island, which some do, they leave them on the island, but then they have the right to name the pony. And it just wasn't Captain Mike telling us the history. It was how he presented it. This genuine love for Shinkatigue. And it was more than the history. It was his history. He shared with us how his grandparents bought him a boat at eight. And just like many of us, years ago, our parents would buy us a bicycle and we would pedal off for hours on end with our parents not knowing where we were. He said that was pretty much what his grandparents did with him, with the boat. He just went out and cruised around. He would point out places where he would hang out and do fun stuff like outside with friends. Like, oh, you see that see that house on the water there? We would stop there. We would hang out. It was like a little clubhouse. There used to be a bridge here. We'd jump off of it. It, it really personalized the story. It, it, you know, some people might fear it became all about him. It wasn't all about him. It was us vicariously living his love for Shinkatique. After the tour was over, my wife and I were amazed. We thanked Captain Mike. It was just a wonderful experience for my family. And I turned to my wife and I said what I had said earlier. The tour guide makes or breaks the tour. When we were first married, our honeymoon was a cross-country trip. And part of that trip, we stayed in Arlington, Texas, right near Dallas. And where we were staying was a few blocks from the ballpark at Arlington, home of the Texas Rangers. And I don't know how I did it, but I talked my wife into going to a game. I, I think... You know, we were there for a couple days, and my wife was fine. Gave us something to do at night, and she knew I would appreciate it. It was a great state. Even she said she hates baseball, but she said it was a wonderful stadium. And then I asked her, hey, would you mind going on the stadium tour tomorrow morning? And she said yes to that. Now, again, she's not a fan of baseball, but the tour guide that we had grew up a Rangers fan. He remembers going to his first game when Texas moved from Washington to Arlington in 1972. He worked as a peanut guy in the stands when he was a teenager. And now he gives tour guides. And the love that he had for that stadium, that team, you couldn't help but dive right into the experience. Even my wife said that was one of the best tours she had ever taken. She hates baseball. And what does that mean for us as teachers? You know, when students come into our class, we are the tour guides. The tour we're taking them on is of our subject. What enthusiasm do you bring to the classroom about what you are teaching? Years ago, I used to teach adult Sunday school at my church. Since I was a teacher, a lot of my classes centered around like differing worldviews, church history. One of the regular attenders of my classes was this PhD in microbiology. Very, very brilliant guy. But at the same time, one of those guys that could take a complex idea and just really break it down to the common level. And that always impressed me. That, 
that for me is the sign of genius. Somebody like that who has in his or her mind all the terminology, all the big fancy words, but then can break it down to the level that a non-expert like myself can understand. That's genius. And, and he had that. But it's really not about that. It's, it's what he thought of my courses. One day, we were waiting to go into the class and we were talking. And he said to me, you know, people enjoy what you have to teach. And the reason I think people enjoy what you have to teach is because you enjoy it. Let me say that again. The reason people enjoy what you have to teach is because you enjoy it. It's very similar to what a tour guide does. What, what makes a good tour guide? They enjoy the tour. And it's infectious. You can't... Now, my wife and I have talked about this, and I remember her saying probably the one course in school that might be difficult for somebody to get really excited by and to do really creative things is math. But then I thought about the movie Stand and Deliver, the true life story of Jaime Escalante, the math teacher in Los Angeles. And just the delivery in that movie shows that a good math teacher can still show they enjoy it. A good math teacher can make numbers come alive just like a good history teacher can make dead people come alive in the classroom. So if you're a teacher, I'm going to challenge you with this. How are you making your subject come alive for your students? How are you taking them on a tour through the topics of your curriculum in such a way that if you were a tour guide and they were your customers, they would tip you at the end. Now I'm going to turn to parents. How can you be a tour guide with your own children? So my encouragement to you is to say that you have been on this great journey called life. You have a lot of experiences and from that you've gained a lot of wisdom. These are not other people's kids. They're your kids. Share with them the excitement that you had when you first went on your solo drive. At the same time, talk about experiences that you've had with driving that were in irresponsible or friends who did things irresponsibly. Our role as parents are to take our children on a tour through the good and bad. We are to set boundaries, we are to set limits. But at the same time, we need to exclaim those areas where they can go beyond those limits into goodness, into doing what is right, and to experience success. We want to share how our own parents supported us and how they steered us away from negative and bad things that could harm us. You know, I've read recently there's this thing called childism. Think about feminism, racism, ageism. Now there is childism. It's this idea that 
we can have prejudices and subjugate children. And of course, I'm sitting here wondering, does that mean parents? Do you think that parents are subjugating? Like if I tell my kid, don't do that, and they really want to do that, is that subjugating them? And there is actually a Childism Institute at Rutgers University, and I guess it calls for the, quote, empowering children by critiquing norms and structures of adults. So is it childism for me to set limits for my child? Of course not. It's being a loving parent. Just letting a kid go out and experience in the world and do whatever they want to do, that's not loving. That's closer to apathy. It would be as if Captain Mike had the pontoon boat for us and then threw me the keys and said, have fun, be back in two hours. Don't know how to drive a pontoon boat. Didn't know anything about Chincoteague Island. It would be a horrible tour. And if you're a parent and you felt a bit angry about this concept of childism that is now developing has even reached the university level, I'm going to challenge you to really think about this. Do you implicitly believe in childism because you are an absent parent? They are your children. They're not for their teachers to raise, the guidance counselor to raise, their friends to raise, social media to raise. They're for you to raise. And you have been on this wonderful tour called life. What experiences, the good and the bad, are you sharing with them? And like a good tour guide knows as much as possible about the tour. I know you may meet some resistance, but it's a good thing to ask your child questions like, what are you and your friends talking about? What do you plan to do? Why do you plan to do it? What are you learning in school? What are they teaching in English class? What are they teaching in history? What are they teaching in math? What are some of your favorite TikTok videos? What are you watching on TV? A good tour guide tailors the tour to what his or her customer needs. So parents, I'm going to leave you with this. Be great tour guides. Tell your customers, your children, of all the wonders and dangers of the journey. And when it's their time to be tour guides, you'll be confident in knowing they'll be one of the best. Thank you for joining me on the Parent Teacher Conference podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share this podcast with friends. They can be teachers, they can be parents, they can be someone who's just interested in education and parenting. If you have a comment, a question, or an idea for a future topic, please feel free to reach out to me at ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. Remember, a good teacher cares deeply for their students, but good parents love those students, their children, deeply.